Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Grind My Gears. I'm Ashton Amdari. Thank you for joining me today. I got Malcolm, the golden child, cast out with me today. But before we get started, there you go. That's what I was about to say. Head <laughs> over to www.ashtonamdari.com. Grab your Nobody Cares Work Harder gear. We just got the muscle tanks in there. And if you want to look sexy on the beach, get that discount code Brown Privilege and get yourself 10% off. Also, this episode is brought to you by Rebecca Godfrey Artistry. If you want some top-of-the-line artwork, click the link below, sign up for a newsletter, and you also get 10% off on her website as well. Malcolm, what's up, brother? Just here, man. Just here, you know, enjoying my Saturday. I was out a little late last night, so it was a little hard to get out of my bed this morning. But <laughs> well, you got it. You got it. And, um, and for those who don't know, Malcolm is an extremely talented young athlete. He's golden gloves, right? Uh, not Golden Gloves, uh, National K1, National Muay Thai, Provincial Muay Thai, and then uh, Bronze Gloves, Silver Gloves. Yeah, there you go. This the, speaks for himself, and he's on his way up to a high level if he puts his mind to it. Sometimes yeah. I got to yell his ass to get in the gym, but <laughs> super talented young athlete. But that's not even why we're here talking to you today. Why we're talking today is because not only is Malcolm a great athlete, but uh, something I'm passionate about too, and that's investing. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, investing oh, yeah. in business, because uh, two young bucks, he's younger than me. But um, the most interesting thing about uh, about you is that you're so young and I don't see this very often. Like I have young clients like I work and I train with, too, and they don't have the same mindset that you have, which mm -hmm. is why I wanted to pick your brain uh, about uh, investing today. So the first thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about is, you know, what got you into like trading stocks, investing, because you do option trading as well. That's such a um, truthfully, I haven't actually traded an option yet. I'm just kind of looking at it and uh, studying that side. I do plan on getting into um, trading options because that's to me like that's where the most money is. Yeah, I mean, especially more so short term, right? Um, so for me, how I got into it was, I don't like being broke, man, <laughs> like, even, even young, like, I don't want to be broke, you know, like, and like, I've been told, like, I've learned that rich people don't just save money. Like we've been kind of taught that, you know, to get rich and to get wealth, you just have to work hard and save your money and, you know, put it in our, um, RSP and stuff like that. And you'll be okay. And it's like, rich people don't do that, you know? And it's like kind of me figuring that out and seeing and studying certain rich people either through books or documentaries and stuff like that and figuring out certain things that they did to get to the position that they're in now it's like why would i just do what everybody else is doing like i need to go and figure out how to make the most amount of money with the money that i have right so. exactly and and uh, i think that's a mindset that is lost because like as you said like i was brought up in the same way where mm -hmm. you you uh, i was the way I was brought and there's nothing wrong with the way I was brought up, but I have a great family and a great upbringing. Yeah, me too. Me too. But, absolutely. But um, it was go to school, get a job, yeah, nine to five, yeah, get your benefits, get, get your get overtime if you can, yeah, get benefits, get your pension, and you're out. Whereas mm -hmm. I went the completely opposite route. I went into professional fighting, which one is is a terrible career choice, terrible yeah. for finances, <laughs> and then. My my business is in personal training, which is also you don't get benefits. The hours are not nine to five. It's all over the place, right? 
Yeah. So I kind of went the opposite route, but what I find exciting about the way kind of we're approaching life and is that I'm not really, I don't really, I'm not guaranteed a paycheck anymore. Right. Every two weeks, I don't get a paycheck. Sometimes I'll get a whole lot of money at once, and sometimes yeah. I won't get any money. Anything, yeah, yeah. And, that's business, though. That's, that's business. That's, that's, that's exciting because yeah. I like the fact that I don't know where my next check is coming from or how much it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of motivates me to work harder and to get up and go get it. Yeah. Get up and go get it and to invest smarter as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like um what how did you develop your investing mindset like you didn't want to be broke i i get that yeah. but there's a mindset to an investor like you know warren buffett has his books and stuff and there's different kind of mindsets of how you want to invest and how mm-hmm. you, you approach absolutely it. absolutely um i don't know if you remember me talking about uh remember the group chat of course you remember the group yeah, chat yeah. um but uh something that i was first talking about was covered call rating Okay, yeah, yeah. I already yeah. the concept of that. So the person that I got that from was actually a person named, I believe, uh, Trevor Jackson. I believe they call him the wealthy investor. Yes, so I know. That, you know about Trevor Jackson? Yeah, I think you sent the link in that chat. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So um, he had a podcast with about 130 episodes just kind of breaking down the uh, financial markets and, you know, uh, I guess trading concepts for beginners and stuff like that. People don't. For people that don't really want to be sitting in front of a computer all day, like staring at charts, like this is the yeah. best kind of way to invest and get the biggest bank for your book. So um, I kind of started by, I, honestly, I just stumbled upon the podcast one day, literally just outside, like literally shadow box in my backyard. Yeah. I was like, I need something to listen to. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually start getting into this investment thing. So I stumbled upon that podcast and literally ran through probably all 130 episodes within a month and a half. And after that, like I was hooked. I was hooked. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I was focused on was investing. My, my only priority was, you know, working so that I could put more money aside to invest. And realistically, that's kind of where I got my mindset was really that podcast. Also, you know, about earn your leisure. Yes. yes. I always tweet and earn your leisure. Shout out earn your leisure. They, Put put on for everybody, man. Like they're changing lives out here. I'm not gonna lie. So that they're also a big reason why I got into it because they make it so reachable. Like all the information is so reachable and understandable. And it's like they break it down in a way that people, even people who don't know much about investing or you know percentages or ROIs and stuff like that, can come in and and kind of take it like step. I think that's a thing that's lost in many people, especially older people. They feel like um, investing your money, regardless of what is real estate or whatever, they feel like it's a complicated process and like you have to learn a lot. But what people fail to realize is with the internet, you don't have to fucking go anywhere. Uh, (laughs) Everything I've learned about investing, I've learned literally while sitting on my phone on my couch or at my computer. I didn't have to, like, I, I'm not, and I'm not putting like, um, these people down, you know, like you have the, um, those commercials all the time for the people with the help you invest and get to with yeah. broker and stuff. That's like the old school method of thinking that you have yeah. to have somebody invest yeah. your money. Yeah. Right. Whereas 
the internet is so, sort of empowered, especially the younger generation, which they haven't taken advantage yet, but we're going to get to that in a yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, the, it's, the internet's empowered younger generation to actually be able to make a crap load of money and oh, you yeah. don't even need to leave your house. Yep. Right. Yep. And, 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 and the, I wouldn't, when I say older, I mean like I'm in my, I'm early thirties. I'm 32, but like I, I notice like friends that are like 35, 36, like, Oh, that's too much work. I, I don't know. I don't want to, I'm, I'm like, come on, man. You're th- you, this has never been a better time to get involved and it doesn't even matter what age you you do it you know what i mean i mean granted you know the longer you wait to invest the um slower your money grows but still it's never too late right yeah and well the early some of my clients they actually like run funds and stuff like that so i get like they give me advice all the Mm -hmm. time and the one thing that they always say is it's good that you're starting young because one you get to make your mistakes now and they don't matter. And two, you could just buy something and just let it grow for like the next twenty years. Yeah. You don't have that's to. Apple. Yeah, that's Apple for me, man. Uh, Apple, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like, that's what we're doing with my kids. We're buying them Apple stock and putting yeah. them in an account for them because hey, yeah. you you don't have to be uh, investor to know that Apple stock grows like 500% every two years. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to be educated and, and be in charts and learn to and know watching. That. Yeah. Every day. You don't have to be watching every day to know that all you got to know is if I put a thousand dollars into Apple stock now, it's, there's a good 80% chance in two years. It's going to be 5,000 within two, three years. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, the internet has taken all the guesswork out of investing. Like it's put, empowered people to do it. It's mm-hmm. just, um, it's weird how not a lot of younger folks have taken on to that yet. And mm-hmm. and coming from that, because you have, you probably have a lot of friends the same age as you. Do you notice that? that they just, they don't, they're not interested in it or why haven't they taken um, that yet? Well, I think for the most part, the way that we're raised, like we're all kind of taught, because most of our parents aren't in, investors. Like we're, for the most part, first generation investors, right? So yeah. like, our parents, I'm sure you experience the same type of energy but like when you talk to your parents about the stock market it's like the boogeyman like you know it's yeah. kind of like the, the name that's not supposed to be said it's left for the professionals only and that's the scary place where you can lose all your money but it's like yeah but once you really understand what's going on it's like do you understand how hard it is to have have ten thousand dollars for example right yeah. And divvy it up between, you know, five or three different good quality companies, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon. What is the likelihood that any of those three companies are going to go to zero in the next five years? Probably zero. zero percent. All right. So how, would, how, could, how is it even possible for you to just lose all your money? Unless you're being ridiculous and just taking all your money and putting it to like a penny stock and being like, you know what? I think it's going to double tomorrow. Yeah. Let's just toss it in. Like it's not as scary as people make it seem, but they won't tell you that because they don't do it. So how would they know? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> like he, uh, it was a good example. Is like my dad actually invests, but he never taught mm. me. He never taught mm. me. It wasn't until I got older and I started investing, and then I would talk about it, and then he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I have some of that too." I'm like, "Wait a minute, mm. I thought you didn't do it." Like, so I think it's um it's important, especially like with my kids. I'm gonna teach them. I don't give a oh. shit. As soon as they're like 10 years old. I'm going to say, hey, give me a dollar out of your allowance. Mm-hmm. Invest it. 
right? Because mm-hmm. I think it, by the time you hit your teens, if you know when you get into your 20s, you don't have to work as hard. You can focus on oh, yeah. a lot of other stuff that you want to enjoy and pursue in life uh, yep. work-wise other than nine to five, right? Dude, and, I'm with that. Yeah, and I'm about that life too. <laughs> too. Yeah, and listen, like this, I do the same thing with my sister. Like, I, Obviously, I don't have kids, but I have a younger sister, right? She's 13. Yeah. Um, she's kind of seen me like on the grind, like the investment grind, always looking at charts and stuff, looking at different investments and it's probably been about three years now of her just seeing me do all this stuff, you know? And at first, like, I would try to push it on her as well, but she's not at the place mentally yet where she's ready to absorb that kind of information. But um, something changed recently because I, I recently moved out of the house. I got my own condo. I'm yeah. in Vaughn now. And uh, I left a bunch of books back at the house, right? So there was, like, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Richest Man in Babylon, Think, think and Grow Rich. Uh, and I also had a stock book. Yeah. And... Like she's become so curious because I've talked to her about it so much that she's literally reading all of the books. She's reading the stock market book and stuff like that. Like think about it. This is a 13 year old taking yeah. in all this information. Exactly. Like I didn't start learning about this stuff really until like maybe three years ago. Didn't put my foot in until last exactly. year. So. Yeah, exactly. Same, same, I, same with me. We're along the same timeline. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the one thing I wanted to kind of ask is, you know, Everyone thinks of investing as a scary thing, but how has it changed your mindset on money and how the economy works? Because for like, I'll let you answer first because I I have my way it changed me. But like, mm. how has investing changed your, your literal view of money and an economy? Right. To me now, money is money is a tool. Money is it's. To me, there's a plethora of money. Like we could all be multimillionaires together, and yes. there'll be more money running around. So it's like the like people, you know, trying to like be like crabs in a barrel and try to get one over other people. Like I'm not really with that. Yeah. So I've just realized that you know it takes money to make money, and the more money you have, the more money you can make. But also, what rich people do and wealth not really rich. I'm more so focused on wealthy people because rich people don't won't necessarily last forever but wealthy is generation yeah right? yeah generational wealth yeah that's kind of my goal but um what i've realized is that um wealthy people don't use their money they like they don't use their money to buy stuff what yeah. they do is they take their money put it into investments and then the returns that they get on the investments then they go and buy things with yeah right? they don't just take the money that they make from their day their nine to five day job and say okay i'm gonna go buy a gucci bag like no make your investment go and pay for your car your bag even your house all that kind of stuff right use uh growing assets to allow you to get the things that you want so that's it's kind of shaped my mentality in a certain way that's like even though I have a thousand dollars, I don't have a thousand dollars. You know, yeah, like I don't even. I, I don't have a thousand dollars until that thousand dollars has doubled, and now I can take out the original principal, put it aside, and that thousand dollars from the return is not yeah. what I can spend. You know? Yeah, take take out what you put in, right, and then play with exactly. the house's money, so to speak, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, but that's that's a great mindset. Like I personally, when I started investing, I started saying I'll, I'd hold a twenty dollar bill. Mm. And I'd be at a store to pay for something, and I'm and to me, I would I'd be handing them the twenty dollar bill, and then I would be like, I'm not getting anything back. Yep, I'm getting a product. Yeah, I'm not getting anything back, 
And the thing about that changed my mindset for investing was I started seeing things like if I give you $10, how much do I get back? And that's like now how I think. I don't think in the terms of uh, like my old school thinking. Now I'm thinking like, so to put it in, like you just said, like um, now that the economy is opening up and stores are opening up, my my wife is excited to go shopping. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. hold on now. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like, the reason we actually did super well last year compared to other people during a, a pandemic was because all the stores were closed. And what I realized last year was that there was a lot of times we would go out and buy shit just because we were out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And now, now with my investor mentality, I'm like, okay, all those times we went to home sense just to walk around and we ended up leaving, paying 80 bucks for some stupid candlesticks or whatever the fuck we bought. Yeah. 80 bucks could have bought me a fucking share of whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and I would get five dollars back a year from that, right? Yeah, so yeah. Now I'm just kind of thinking in that mentality of the same thing you said, where you buying things with your investment profits as opposed to the money that you've made personally, right. right? And the other thing, I like my wife gets mad at me too because I I'm constantly kind of looking at the news, not because I want to, I don't give a shit basically what's going on. But I get to, I understand the economy. Like, so you know how like certain news will affect investments? Yep. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. I will look at the news and be like, okay, that's going to be down tomorrow. And 99% of the time I'm right now because I'm, that's how investing has changed my view. I'm not looking at the news because I care about yeah. COVID cases. I care about all this. I'm like, oh, COVID cases are going up. Okay. All right. That means the market's going to respond to that. Right. So now I'm looking at news and what's happening in the world and the economy, and I can understand it more. I have a more comprehensive view of what's going on. And that kind of makes me, gives me a step above other, other people. Right. Not that I'm trying to compete with other people, but in terms of my mindset. Yeah. 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 yeah, Absolutely. And and I view money differently now, you know, and I'm sure it's the same for you as well. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. How do you pick your investments? Um, in terms of stocks, uh, what I was primarily doing was one, I would only invest in companies that I understood, like, um, how do they make money? What are their avenues to make money? All that kind of stuff. And then for me, the biggest part is kind of just looking at the uh, financial statements, like the income statement, the, um, cash flow statement and the, uh, what's the last financial can't remember there's, but there's three of them on yahoo finance yeah yeah the, and um you can literally just physically look at the numbers of what the business is doing and be like oh this top line the top line revenue for this company you can physically see over the last four years went from four four billion to five billion to six billion to seven billion you know like that to me is a good sign to start and then i kind of look deeper into the numbers and see what's their net profit how much money are they spending what are they spending money on all that kind of stuff and then if it makes sense, I'd invest in them, you know, but as I said, it's all companies that I understand. Like for me, like mind you, I sold a lot of what I had because I have kind of diversified my portfolio now. Just really just sitting on Apple. But at one point I had Apple, Amazon, Tesla, Microsoft, Coke, 
uh, and I think iPay, iBuy or iPay, one of the two. Yes. Yeah. So these are all companies that we're both really familiar with, right? And yeah. obviously are doing pretty well. So it's, it's, for me, it's more so blue chip stuff. Blue chip one, stuff. but focusing on the numbers and like, you know, if the it's balance, like, the balance sheet, a strong balance sheet. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. The balance sheet. So if it's like, if the numbers say, oh, you know, the top line revenue went from six to five to 5.5 to four to 4.5 to three, it's like, okay, yeah, they're doing all right, but the numbers are going way down. I don't yeah. know if this is something I'm willing to. I do, I do, I do something similar. So, like, what yeah. I do is I, at night, I'll take the CBD oil because it nice and, gets me nice and relaxed, mm-hmm. put in my headphones. Uh, my kids are asleep. And then I'll put on house music and I'll start reading. I'll have a list of, you know, at least I can do 10 at a time and I'll look at the 10 companies and I'll have the balance sheet out. So it's one thing to see your revenues, but I want to see what your debt is, right? Mm. I want to see your um, short term, short term and long term debt. I don't care really much about long term debt as I care about the short term debt. What do you owe right now? Um, I look at, um, uh, are they clawing back dividends? Are they consistently giving yeah. more dividends? If they're consistently giving more dividends, that's a, a company I want to be involved with. If yeah. they're clawing back dividends, there's a reason why. And right. I, and I'm not sure I want to be involved with that. Uh, I also look at um, the underlying business, right? Is it something that can grow or is it something that's kind of just a stagnant business? Like, yeah. like yeah. for example, you, you just said Coke, right? Coke is a great business. So always make revenue, but, Unless they're the underlying business is virtually the same for Coke, right? Yeah. So when you invest in a company like Coke, you're investing for dividends strictly because mm-hmm. unless Coke is making acquisitions, mm-hmm. unless they're buying up other companies like buying up Monster or whatever uh, other, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, their their growth potential is limited. Whereas if you look at a company like Tesla, mm-hmm. growth potential is immense, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. That, that's how I view it. And then I take the headphones out and I go, okay, go, go to my wife. I'm like, Hey babe. Okay. So here's what we're going to buy. This is the number <laughs> we're going to buy. It. I put it on, we have a little clipboard there. I put all the numbers on the clipboard. So she, she knows in case exactly. I'm on the road, uh, you know, if she sees the numbers there, that's what you need to buy. That's how my process of doing it. The other thing that I've been, um, some people have advised me on is um, knowing what the underlying, like I just said, the underlying co- uh, company does, yeah, and knowing if there's a change in it. So, like one thing I've started to do, I have to do it a lot more. Is you know when earnings come out, when a company releases the earnings, they do the calls. Yeah, 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 yeah. They do the calls, and like before, I was like, oh, I'm too lazy. I'm not gonna listen to the calls or whatever. But now I started reading the transcripts, reading the calls, and I like. Uh, recently, we invested in Netflix, for example, and. Um, their earnings just came out. It was it was a decent earnings, and now they said they want to get involved into video games, right? Mm. Into video game streaming. So yeah, I agree me, about that actually. So for me, I look at that in two ways. I look at that as a risk, because to get involved into another as uh, avenue of streaming, they have to put in more money, right? Mm. So if they have to put in more money, there's a might be a small chance in the future you see the stock split, which is for people who have a whole lot of shares it's a good thing but for people who are don't have a crap load of money and have a small amount of shares like for example me it's not a great thing because that reduces my equity and that means that they need to raise more cash and able to do that and they're going to put themselves into more debt so 
by understanding the underlying business and the financials, I I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for this thing to kind of go up and I might have to sell it before I actually wanted to. Yeah. Because yeah. what I, when I bought it, I bought it for this framework. Now they're changing the framework on me a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're going to be taking on more debt to produce more money. Now in the long term, it might work out, but if it doesn't, I'm holding the bag. Right. And so that's the one thing I, I mean, it's some people will be lazy and they don't want to be involved in that. And that's fine. You can hire a broker and they take care of that. They can sell and buy your assets for you. But for mm-hmm. me, that's an exciting thing to, to be involved yeah. with because oh, yeah. I'm not losing money. I haven't lost money. I've gained money if I sell right now, but knowing those things makes me super educated about what's going on. And so like, even when I turn on my TV and I put on Netflix, I, I I'm like, I understand this business. Mm-hmm. And you it's like, I mean? uh, thank you for making. My, I'm making myself money right now. Yes, know? exactly. You know, and like even my wife's grandfather, he used to invest a lot, and he would invest in companies that he used. So like he would be like, um, you know, he's invested. He would be invested in Bell. And he's like, well, they're paying my uh, the dividends, paying my bills, right? Yeah. You know what's funny is that um, I just remembered like how I really started or I first got into it was uh, it was during the pandemic. One is because of Serb, like. If if you if anybody was smart during SERP, and I mean, granted, everybody had different situations, but yeah. a lot of people got SERP money and just decided to go and buy Gucci bags and some Louis Vuitton kicks and shit like that, just so yeah. they could start on their friends. But if you're smart and you could afford it, like personally, I took basically all the SERP money I got because I was still working at the time and like just put it into savings, right? Yeah. So that allowed me to have a little bit of a net to... Um, start investing with them i remember being in the canadian tire line um like during the pandemic and the line was so long that i'm sitting in the line and i'm like wait a minute how is this company like still booming so much like yeah line is literally around the corner you know so i went looked at the stock looked at the chart looked at the um balance sheet all that kind of stuff and i was like wow this is definitely a a good company to invest into so that's how i initially got into canadian tire canadian tire made me a pretty penny and also had um I want to say some like a crazy dividend rate. I don't know if you remember. I think we talked about it, but uh, yeah, it, it, it was high for Canadian stock. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also, uh, but in terms of what you're saying, like kind of buying things that you're using, like another thing that uh, I invested in was UPS. If I remember uh, yeah, putting that in the group chat. Yeah, that was another, that was probably one of my biggest investments yet. And the reason why I invested in UPS is because I was actually, at that time, I was working on a UPS facility, right? And basically, the facility is a, it's a fully automated facility about, uh, I want to say, a mile long or a kilometer long, something like that. Yeah. And it's basically just um, a bunch of different conveyor systems that, you know, trucks will literally just back into the building. And it has machines that extend into the truck. So there's no more, like, carrying packages around. You literally just take the package, put it on the conveyor, and it shoots it across the building, you know, to, like, the next truck and sorts it, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, holy shit, like, this company is innovating and they're becoming more efficient and better. Like, why am I not investing in this? You know what I'm saying? So that's that's what inspired me to get into UPS. And UPS went probably gave me, like, a 40% before I got out, plus good dividends. So, you know, that's kind of... uh, also another uh, way that I started. Yeah. And I, I, the other thing is like, 
stuff that uh, I use, like toothpaste. I started looking at toothpaste. Yeah. I started looking at the back. I'm like, ah, oh, Procter and Gamble. All right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Things that you use every day and you yeah. never noticed before, and um, you're like, you're like, well, that is a company that I can make money from. That yeah. makes money from me, right? Yeah. And it's a, it's a this crazy ecosystem that a lot of people are scared of and sheltered from, for, for lack of a better term. And uh, we were going to talk about it later on, but I'll go right to it because you, you were speaking about the CERB. So um, the pandemic did a, uh, a weird thing where it gave governments the authority, not authority, but the means to pump out a shitload of money into the economy. And that being like in the U.S., it was the stimulus checks. And in Canada, it was the CERB payments. Um, like... Uh, how do you think, like the, the this generation of investors, if you like you said, if you were smart and you could afford it, you would have put that money to work, right? So well, how, how do you think that in the long term that this this extra money into the market and into investing is going to to pan out? Do you think it's going to lead to like a crash, so to speak, or do you think it's like an inflationary part of the market? I, th I think so, truthfully. I see it as being something good. You know, it's allowed a lot of young investors to get their foot in the door, just like I did. You know? Yeah. A lot of people were not the smartest with the money, but a lot of people also were. And, um, like, as you know, like, you know, it's, I guess they're saying there's a lot more retail investors now or something like that after the yes. pandemic. And realistically, that's because of sir, most people didn't have, you know, $5,000 or $10,000 to put into an investment. But now the options there, because they're literally just giving us money. And like my thing was like, even if I have to pay it back, because I don't know if I'm eligible or as eligible as I think I am. Yeah. Um, it's essentially just an interest-free loan. Yeah. That's what right? that's Exactly. So if you're smart about it, you know that you have a period of time to make that money do something before you have to give it back. Yeah. So essentially, you have money to make free money with. And that's where if you were educated and you took the time, you could put it into a safe investment like yeah. Microsoft, Apple, any of the yeah. FANG stocks. And you yeah. would have you would have literally, like you said, 40 percent minimum. Dude, minimum. I, I, yeah. If you started last year and like you didn't get impatient like me and sold all your shit because you got excited. Like <laughs> Tesla was up sixty percent before I sold it. Yeah. Like Amazon was up forty percent before I sold it. Mind you, all of this is within like six months. Yeah. Right. So imagine like where I'd be at now. Like my Apple shares are up thirty percent now, but it's like you know it's, it's been you know six months. So it's like I I wish I was more aggressive when I first started as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And another reason how I first started with investing was that when everything crashed, I was like, okay. On every single chart, I was like, it's the exact same shit. They were all moving in one direction. And then there's this big drop around like March. I think it was like 15th, 8th or something like that. Within yeah, yeah. that window of 2020, 2020, right? So I was like, okay, realistically, if you focus on the business and the business is still solid, yes, it might be in debt and certain things, but focusing on the right industries, realistically the easiest thing that you could do right now is simply this company was here before now yeah. they just drastically dropped to here that means at some point because it's going like this it's gonna have to come back to at least here yes right it might take a little while but if you're willing to be patient it's it will recover to that and it's like literally probably every single stock 
like out there except for the ones that couldn't handle it are back at where like they were before well, they're, they're above right and that's exactly right and that's what i'm saying so it's like that was my original like and the key um, word you use there was patience right yeah that's something yeah, yeah. i didn't have and i regret and I, i'll be too man i don't openly talk about it because i i want people to learn from it and and this was my first market crash i haven't mm, like, me too the first market crash i've been involved with i've, I've yeah. learned about the ones before but this is the first one i've been involved and i made so many mistakes not where i lost money but where but i just made opportunities and um and I'll, and I'll highlight a few of them so people can can learn from the mistakes i made and the first one was wendy's fast foods restaurant wendy's when the stock crashed it was down at six dollars it's not six dollars my and then so me and my wife are sitting and my wife was like wendy's that's your favorite fast food restaurant actually whenever you do a cheat meal you go there you should invest in wendy's i'm like fuck no it's a pandemic no one's going to fast food yeah, yeah this is yeah. very early this is when the lockdowns first started i'm like no one's going to fast food no one's going to wendy's the fucking stock is like at 25 to 28 though it was at 28 not too long ago yeah. you would have literally 300 percent in yourself Right. Yeah. And uh, that that's just one example. My second example, and the one I regret more is I bought a shitload of Gap, mm. Gap stock. Right. And this is the patience thing. I bought it when it crashed and it was at four dollars. I think it was four, four fifty. I got it very low and it was it was going up. It was like a nine when I sold it. So I thought I did it. I thought I was a fucking hey, I made a lot. I made some money. Nine dollars. And that was just impatience because. During the pandemic, it was just for, especially for retail stocks, for retail companies, there was just negative news after negative news of them keeping taking out debt, keeping it. And when you're learning to invest, you're like, well, if they keep taking out net debt, that's bad. If I'm holding on to this, that's bad. The case numbers keep going up. It's bad. The fucking thing is above what it was pre-pandemic. No. And it was just because I was impatient and yeah. I just didn't understand um a market crash you know what i mean and it's the same thing like you said if people had known like say you got your two thousand dollar serb check and you had bought in one of these companies and just held them and yeah. you, even if you had to give the serb check back you would have made a 300 percent gain yeah and without doing anything right yeah. so so yeah. i mean it's a for me the next because we will live through at least two or three more of all oh, for sure for sure. sure. For me, I'm salivating at the mouth. Oh, right? I'm waiting for the next market crash because even if I lose everything, I know I'm going to, I will take oh, out. Make back. I know how to make it back and I'm yeah. going to make it back in an even bigger way. Exactly. Right? Because yeah. this, this, like you said, these are, if you're looking at blue chip companies that are going to be around, you don't for one second think that that stock dip is a reflection of the company. It's not. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fear of whatever the world situation is going on at the time, right? Exactly. And and um, what was I going to say? This this is the thing that like you know our parents have also shown us like in terms of their um, worrisome in regards to the market. They're like, oh, you know, you could lose all your money. You know, what if it goes down? Then what? It's like okay, but like over the however many years that the market has been live, like the market's only been down like 9% of the time. Yeah. So why are we even talking about like the downswings? I don't understand. Yeah. You know, it's about to happen. Yes. But if you know what you're doing, you can leverage yourself and, you know, 
actually come out better than like to me like well to us now because we understand like a crash is a very very good thing like yeah mind you yes if you have your investments in and it goes down that's one thing but i'm saying like everything is on sale right it's literally like walking into a black friday yeah. of investments you know what i'm saying like if you're really smart about it you're not just like a uh, average consumer mindset so it's like I well, don't know. Th- this past monday there was a market sell-off right yeah. everything went down two percent i i bought shit Mm. right and I, now i'm learning where as as before i would like last year the year before and the year before i would be consistently just looking to buy something mm. now i'm pulling getting my money together waiting like the money like here's another thing that uh if you haven't invested yet that this is something you should don't invest money that you fucking need yeah yeah, yeah. that's right, like right? rule number one rule number one don't invest money that you need so like Every, at the end of every month, when we go through our finances, which as people should do, you should do that. I'll be like, okay, I have X amount of dollars that we don't need. It's just there. So I'm going to put half of that to work. Mm-hmm. But instead of like before, I would automatically go buy something. Now I'm just putting it in, the, in my account, waiting. And on days like Monday where the whole market goes down 2% and there's a correction, Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, the very next fucking day, the same thing I just bought is up five percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, because all of these things, like it's the patience thing, the being patient and learning about opportunity. When a stock goes down, or when a company, like uh, Peloton, is a good example. Not a big fan of the company, but then mm-hmm. the the treadmill goes and kills a kid. Right, they have to recall the thing. The fucking stock sells down to, it was at like 120, goes down to like mid 80s, low 80s. And uh, you look at that, you're like, oh, Peloton's never going to come back. Well, when you look at the underlying company, they are going to come back. Lo and behold, the thing's over $100 now. So if you like, sometimes negative news is actually, like you said, Black Friday for certain things. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And if you get experience enough and you're calm and you don't fucking freak out, the thing like if you were a Peloton stock owner when that happened, you should have bought more instead of yeah. selling the damn thing. You should have bought more, averaged yourself down, and you yeah. have, you would have won a whole. You would have got a whole lot more money. Like yeah, for example, good. one of our positions right now, uh, it's a one of the online gamblings. I'm down thirty percent. I don't care. I don't care. I'm gonna buy more. I'm just yeah. waiting for my opportunity to buy more because I've looked at the chart. I know that in September. The thing is going to go up. That's just this traditional thing. I'm waiting until the end of August. And I'm going to buy more. I'm down 30%. Some people would freak out, right? I would, me six months ago would have freaked out. Now I'm not freaking out anymore. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm waiting for it to go down 35%, 40%, go as low as you can go before I average down to buy more because that's what investors think about right you know what i mean if the company was good that you bought you shouldn't be worried that it's going down when plain it goes down you should be buying more yeah exactly plain and simple if if you did your research and you did it well when a stock goes down or a company has some negative news and it, it causes the the price of the stock to go down you should be buying more right yep. unless like i said before the underlying foundation is not solid the changed right which yeah, it didn't the one thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about is the, over the last, and this is only over the last uh, six months or seven months, this kind of started happening. The Wall Street bets trade revolution, right? 
It's for those who don't know, uh, it's Reddit. There's a bunch of these guys on Reddit. Uh, they pick stocks that uh, people short. Yeah. So AMC. For AMC. So for AMC, GameStop, there's a few mm. other ones. So for people who don't know what shorting is, I'm not going to like sit here and try to explain it. Watch The Big Short. Uh, it's a great movie uh, for an example of that. But basically, um, these guys are buying stocks at a certain level and trying to sell them for more. And these guys are driving the price up so that these guys can't do it. That's a stupid, dumbass version that <laughs> of me explaining it. And that costs the hedge funds money when they bet against the stock. Put it that way. Now, the institutional investors <clears throat> have, have accused the volatility of the market uh, based on that. They're basically saying that these Wall Street bets guys, these retail investors that are piling into this, because I'll be guilty. I piled in at the start too, just to play the game. Well, it's um, exciting. Man. It was exciting, but I got burned, yeah. right? And um, yeah. and uh, we're contributing to the volatility of the market. Now, do you think that that institutional investors are just saying that to scare off the little guys like me or you? For oh, for sure. For doing for sure. things like that? Absolutely. What well, they don't want us to make money. You know, like you saw the whole Robin Hood thing with, I think it was. Uh, GameStop or AMC, but like there was well, a and BlackBerry, they, BlackBerry as well. Yeah, where they they like cut off like people were trying to put in trades and orders and stuff, and they literally just cut it off. And it was like that's never happened before. Now all these retail investors are making so much money, and they literally just like were like, no, like absolutely not, we're stopping this right now. And it still went up, went down, all that kind of stuff. Like super fluctuated. There's lots of volatility, but a lot of people couldn't even enter. Yeah. Right. Because I guess the hedge funds are losing so much money. And I guess because they're the big fish in this ocean, they kind of dictate what happens, what doesn't happen. So they don't like when, you know, the little guys win. They want to, we, they want to like fuck us. You know what I'm saying? So they want us to hold the bag. The, the, exactly. the investing term for holding the bag for those who don't know is when they want us to buy high so that they make money and then they yeah. drop the, the share price. And then they buy, they buy back in low and then we're stuck holding. So for a, for a financial, for those who don't know, say I buy something at 100, they sell the stock down to 80 something. Now I'm stuck with $100 a share and they rebuy at 80 and they're making a fuckload of money, right? Yeah. And then I'm screwed and I'm down 20% for those people who don't know what holding the bag means. That's what, that's what hedge funds want. They yeah. want – and. Um, I don't know how early you wake up, but I wake up early because I do my, a lot of my clients very early in the morning. So I watch the market sometimes at 5 a.m. Mm. Okay. And I'll see certain stocks that I own are down 5% at 5 a.m. And I'm like, who the fuck <laughs> is selling a five? When, when you see something down 5%, that's a big, large amount of stock. Who the fuck's selling that at 5 a.m.? It's not me or you. My yeah. account doesn't allow me to sell shit at 5 a.m. That's all a hedge fund. By the time 9.30 rolls around and the market's open, it's in the green, right? So I, like, I think people need to understand the market is bigger than me or you. Like, well, absolutely. I, we're like, super tiny fish. Like little, we're super. the tiniest little fish. These, these, and these are, all these trades that these guys are doing, they're not sitting there on their uh, TD investing account like me and you putting in the trade. These are all computer-generated based on metrics, algorithms. And algorithms and metrics that you can't beat. You're not smart enough to beat them. 
right? But the Wall Street bets guys beat them by pooling together. And it was very interesting to see it. And they actually took down a hedge fund. It was fucking interesting to see it. But do you think that that is kind of running its course? Because I, I kind of believe it is. But Honestly, I've, I've never been into it. You know, I saw the hype and I'm like, one thing the wealthy investor taught me was don't chase the hype. Yes. You know? like, don't chase the hype. And also I learned not to invest in penny stocks. Like, yes. And to, to me, also another thing I learned from the wealthy investors, like any company that's under $20 US, it's a penny stock. You know, yeah. It's not just companies that are just in pennies. Like, no, no, no. If they haven't essentially made, like, their share price is not over $50, $20, like, they're a penny stock. So it's like, for for those ones, AMC and GameStop, and I was like, nah, I'm not touching those, man. Yeah. You could go one or two ways. I couldn't miss time, and I, I could time it. But realistically, it's kind of like just rolling the dice. Being like, yeah, exactly. It's rolling the dice. I read. But yeah. uh, what, I, what, I, what my feeling on those, that, that situation is, is you can get the army together as much as you want. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't give a shit what anybody says. You can get 150 guys together to take down a hedge fund, but their money is going to run out. The hedge mm-hmm. fund's money is not going to run out. Not run out yeah. So um, what I feel like is this is kind of a revolving door where they're going to keep pumping their own money in and the hedge fund is going to keep doing it. And eventually the hedge fund will win. Yeah. But, and uh, I kind of see it's kind of happening right now, but like, um, for like, uh, I wanted to ask you, like, when you when you look at your whole portfolio, you talked about diversifying your portfolio before. How do you balance things out? Like, what percentages do you use towards dividends? What percentages do you use towards growth or risk? Um, I'd say like 25, 25, 25, 25. That's kind of like a basis. Like, I've just been kind of taught don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know? So, like, I'll obviously be a little risky with a little bit. I'll be a little more like conservative and then I'll focus more on dividends in certain areas. And then uh, honestly, I have a couple different investments on the go. And that's kind of why I said I sold all my shit. Like the only stock that I'm holding right now is uh, Apple, not even Amazon or Tesla. sold them, got rid of them. And I was kind of disappointed to be honest because if I just left it, it would be up even more, but it is what it is. So as I said, yeah, I kind of 25, 25, 25, 25. There's other ways to make money right now. So my understanding of the stock market will allow me to take the money that I generate and allow it to, you know, work in other places longer. You know what I'm saying? So it's not for me right now, the stock market. And that's honestly, that's kind of why I went quiet on the group chat too, because like I'm kind of on my own journey, you know? And it was like, I, the reason I created that group chat was because like I was super new to it. One, you know, like I, I was already involved, you know, I bought a bunch of shares and stuff, but I had nobody to talk about it with. Yeah. Like, you know, most people don't talk about this shit. So I was like, let me just get like 15, 20 people in a group chat that all, are all doing the same shit. So, you know, like some people are looking at me like, oh, like, how do you think you can just start a group chat and be teaching people about stocks? I'm like, bro, I'm not teaching anything, anybody about anything. <laughs> I'm just going to have a conversation, you know, like, what are you doing? What is this guy doing? What are you investing in and why? You you know, maybe if we come together, we can all figure it out. But, uh, well, that is, that's that's a, that's pretty much what the Wall Street bets thing was. Exactly it, right. It was, it was coming, it was coming together. That I mean, for a different purpose. They were coming together to take down a hedge fund, but yeah, we we're trying to get people together to to share ideas and to yeah, exactly. learn, learn more, right? Because 
like we're talking about investing, like people will be like, oh, all these guys invest in the stock. Investing is way more than stocks. Yeah. There's, but the, in my opinion, the best way to learn to invest is to start with stocks Facts. and venture off into real estate, into yeah. Uh, yeah. acquisition of other companies, into, you know, buying into uh, Business, like, businesses. businesses. Like, for example, if a friend comes to me now and says, hey, do you want to invest in my business? I understand what I need to look at in order to make the analysis to see if this is a wise investment mm-hmm. to lend this person money to start their business. I also know now what to ask for. Whereas if you asked me three years ago, hey, give me 10 grand, Ashton, and invest in my business, I wouldn't know what the fuck to ask for. I'd have been like, well, okay, here's 10 grand. Right, but now I'm going to be like, "What's my return on investment, bitch?" If I'm giving you ten grand. <laughs> if I'm giving you ten grand, when can I expect my ten grand back? What's yeah. the principal on my ten grand? How what, how much interest am I getting back? Yeah. You know, uh, how many shares of the company am I going to be getting? I'll, I'm able to ask all these questions now. If someone was to approach me, where it was like three years ago, I'd have been like, "Well, sorry, bro, I need my ten grand, and I'm not giving it to you." Right? You know what I mean? So, that, I mean, that's what investing has done for me. And it's a bigger picture. Like, it's not just stocks. People think it's just stocks that you're playing the stock market. Nah. No, nah. it's a vessel. It's a learning. It's one form of investment. Yep. You know what I mean? And there's options, crypto. What's your yeah. opinion on crypto? What do you think I'm, about crypto? It's just charts. Like, there's nothing to go off of. That's what I didn't like. You know, I can't go and look at the um, balance sheets of cryptos. Yeah, it's literally you're just looking at the chart and being like, ah, okay, what is it gonna do? You know, and I was never a chart guy. You know, um, shout out my boy Knox. He does like forex and crypto. He does all that trading stuff. So he's trading me right now. So I'm actually getting more into the trading side. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I don't know. To be honest, the only crypto I ever put money into was Bitcoin, and like I'm pretty sure I lost the account. So yes. mind you, I didn't have a whole Bitcoin. It's just uh, fractional, fractional shares. And yeah. I didn't even buy it at the best place so it's okay you know that's how the game goes sometimes but um basically he's this knocks the guy i'm telling you about he's my business partner so we kind of do everything together now so we're thinking about putting some money into uh like he's saying there's about to be a big crypto boom because cryptos has been moving in a certain direction and it operates in cycles there's about to be a boom so you know we're planning on taking uh advantage of that but um uh, I like I like the crypto markets. It's very volatile. Uh, people are making a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. So yeah. you know, if there's money to be made, hey, I I ain't a hater. I ain't no hater. My you only know? thing about crypto is um, it's not something tangible. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I know, like I understand. I do. I haven't taken the full time to like dive into it. Like my brother in law is super it's into. A lot, man. It's a lot of like. If I was to dive into every investing thing, I wouldn't be able to run my own business, right? But uh, I don't understand it enough. And this is this is why it's good to start with stocks and then move into other things. I don't understand Bitcoin or I don't understand crypto at its heart enough to take $1,000 of my money and to put it into it. I fuck around with 100 bucks, which is what I've done. Mm-hmm. like I've lost a few over the last few weeks, but like a hundred bucks, big fucking deal, but I'm not going to take a couple thousand and put it into something I don't understand. And that's mm-hmm. like the whole, like we were just talking about for the last 
almost hour is that you have to understand what you're investing in. You yes. can take a certain part and risk. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But if you don't understand it, I don't understand it. So there's no way I'm going to commit a thousand dollars, two thousand, three plus to something I don't understand. Like you said, I, and for me, it's not tangible. I, I want to be able to spend it. Like I would invest a lot in gold. I've done a little bit in gold because at the end of the day, I know I can get, here's my gold brick, bitch. Right. Yeah. But, but with crypto, you lose the hard drive. You lose the account. Oh yeah. And it's you lose the money. That, you know, like my friend literally had two crypto accounts lost. He got locked out of his phone. Right. And forgot yeah. the password. And to this day, he can't access the crypto accounts. Probably like ten thousand dollars a month. Oh, so yeah. See, and that's the problem, right? Whereas if you were investing in like in you know, investing in other tangible assets, you can just go to the in your institution and get the assets out. Yeah, yeah. Right. Whereas crypto, you can't do that. Now you were saying uh, you're mentioning your business partner. That was the one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, dude. Yo, I got time, man. I'm not. I'm in no rush. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where you are. He's a young entrepreneur. Business yeah. owner as well. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people your age are not even thinking about that, right? They're thinking about working nine to five. What shifted your mind, like from from your knowledge of investing and knowing how uh, economies work and all that, what got you into like just wanting to start and run and own your own business? Dude, I'm ambitious as I don't want to do the status quo, man. Like, I've always known, like, from young, like, I was not meant to, you know, just find one job and work for 30 years and get my pension and all that kind of shit. Like, I'm team fuck pension. Like, fuck a pension. I'll create my own pension. I might even put it on the t shirt. You know, seriously, like, (laughs) fuck a pension. I'll be like, everybody's like, you know, get a good job, pension. It's like, for what? You want me to work for 60 years for you to give me $400 a month and you still have to? No, no thanks. I'll figure it out. Thank you. You The same thing, you know, studying rich people, like rich people, sorry, wealthy people. I have to correct myself. Wealthy people, um, almost all of them are business owners to some capacity, whether it's through, you know, owning equity or physically just being a director or part part of the business you know and it's like once you start understanding like credit and taxes and stuff then you really understand like the value of having your own business because it opens so many doors for you right like one thing that i realized is like depending on your lifestyle like and what you like whatever you want your lifestyle to be if you're really smart enough you could literally create businesses around your different the different areas of your lifestyle and have more than all of the things that you want to do written off just because they're now business expense. Yes. Right. Like think about it like, you know, I'm a fighter. And like you're a fighter too as well, right? So you if you're doing personal training and stuff, if you want to go buy gloves even for yourself, right? Or a mouth guard or shoes and stuff like that, like it's a business. all this stuff is a business write off, right? You're still using it personally. Yes. But you can also use it for your business. But I'm saying, like, even if you just want it for yourself, technically you can write it off. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, opposed to the money just coming directly out of your pocket, it's actually you're getting something back for it now because it's lowering your tax liability at the end of the year. Yeah. So um, the reason that I got into business, though, I will say is because I'm a welder. I'm a welder by trade. I went to school for welding. Yeah. Um, that The company that I have is technically a welding and contracting company. And the reason that I created the company was because this is actually when I was at UPS. I was working for UPS. And basically, it's a little confusing, but the structure is there's me, 
there's my boss who is the, he's essentially an employment agency. And then there's a company above him hired by UPS, right? So they're the general contract. Yeah. But my boss is hiring me and I never see my boss. I only see this guy, right? Yeah. So the people that are hiring my boss are the people that I'm reporting to on a daily basis, right? So I built a connection with one of the supervisors for that company. We were sitting there talking and I'm like, I was making good money, don't get me wrong, but I was like, yo, if I'm making, say, $30 an hour and I'm here every day, 55 hours a week, busting my ass, like, how much is my boss getting for just providing me, you know? And I was like, hmm interesting i was like he's probably getting what i'm getting hourly right so initially we're like okay he's probably making 30 dollars an hour per person and i'm like damn so i always had a problem with it because like i'm there sweating it's hot working 10 12 hour shifts sweating from my neck back to my ass crack all that kind of shit and it was like it's so wrong to me that i have an imaginary work partner that is always standing next to me when I'm lifting up steel and burning myself and it's yeah. getting paid exactly as much as I'm getting paid and is doing nothing exactly. right like, yeah. how do I get there that's where I want to get so I went to the supervisor of the company and was like yo like so theoretically speaking like if I started my own contracting company you know like could I be in the same position as this guy? Would I be able to get contracts with you, essentially? And he's like, hell yeah, you know, I we have a certain relationship now. I can help you out, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. So what's the process of starting a company? He said, you know, I need a lawyer and all this kind of shit. But then I realized from you being yeah, yeah. my own reason, you don't need a lawyer to start a business. Right? There's no business license, nothing. You go to an account and you pay your money. Next thing you know, there's a business. Bang, just like that. Yeah. You know, so I'm sitting there and... I was like, I think I went to the project manager of that uh, company above my boss and sat down with him. And I was like, oh, so, you know, theoretically speaking, again, you know, if somebody here had a company, how would we, how would they get on the list of people that you call for work? Because essentially these larger general contractors um, for these big facilities, right, they have like, say, five or six different companies that they call to provide guys. Right. Yeah. Like, i.e. my boss is one of them. So it was like, how does a company get on that list? And like, funny enough, they were literally like, we just put your name on the list. They don't ask you for a resume. They don't ask you for references. Put your name on they the list. Put your name on the list, bro. Like, you know, there's no like process to it at all. Like you say you can get this done. Yes, I know you. Okay, you have a company, boom, we'll put you on this list. When we need guys, we'll call you. And I was like, shit. Okay, cool. And then I was like, well, as you, as you know, I was explaining how I didn't know what my boss was making. I was very curious. So I was like, so what's the average going rate for a contractor on this site? And he's like, oh, I'll just tell you what your boss is making. And I'm like, oh, fuck, great. Like, obviously, like, I'm controlling myself, like, you know. Yeah. But, like, in my head, I'm like, great. This is exactly what I'm here for. Perfect. Da, 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 da. Pulls up a document. And he's like, currently, your boss is getting $50 per man. And he was explaining this to me. I was like, in terms of payment, how does it work? He's like, oh, basically, we give you a certain rate, right? And then it's your job to hire people. And what you pay those people is not our business. Yeah. Just like, whatever oh. rate they give you is whatever rate they give you. You you determine the split. Exactly. Right. Business. Yeah. So I find out that my boss is making $50 an hour per man, right? And I'm like, okay, cool. Now, I know I'm getting $30. So that means he's making $20 a man. Probably we'll say, you know, he could be paying other people different. But we'll just say for easy numbers, $20 a man, right? Yeah. So next, I went on the list, the sign-in sheet, and was like, how many guys does he have working for him on this site? The man has 29 guys working for him. 
at so 29. He's making cake. Just bro, so I know you're a math guy. You already <laughs> did the math yet. <laughs> Trust me, it didn't even make sense to me. I'm like, hold on. So twenty dollars an hour at 29 mans is I want to say 580 dollars an hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah, at five right hours a week before overtime, which is double time after 40 hours, he's making thirty one thousand dollars off of what? Doing fucking nothing. Yeah. Right. I Literally. Mean, oh, hey, can you do this job? Oh, you need this job done? Yes, he'll be there here on Monday. Okay, cool. And one thing that I learned about business as well is that um, these businesses and a lot of business is promising something that you can't actually give yet. Like he'll go out and get a contract six months out, right? For 30 guys for a job site. And the general contractor would be like, can you get 30 guys by December? And he'd be like, yes, I have 30 guys by December. As yeah. soon as he leaves that meeting, he goes on Indeed and does job postings like, oh, I need this, 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 right? He's yeah. literally promised something that he doesn't even have. He doesn't have it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally, he'll just go and hire all these people and all. It's interesting know. that you, the, the, how you explain that is is very similar to how I viewed the fitness business and why I got the fuck out of working for someone in the fitness business because right. I would be with a client. Oh, like I would like when I was working for a gym, I was a contractor, right? I was technically contract because they don't want to hire you. If they hire you, they have to give you benefits. They have to do all that shit. They don't want to. If you're a contractor, they pay you money and you're in charge of your own tax and all that shit. And then it's just easier. It's less messy for the the business owner. I get that. And I respect that. But what I was after about a year and a half, what I started to realize was I'm like, I'm on my feet all day. I'm working with people. I have a university degree. I know everything about there is to do fitness. I'm continually improving myself. I'm a professional athlete. I am the skill. I am the attraction that people want to come and and spend time with to improve their life and improve their fitness. Now, I'm looking at how much I'm getting paid. And I started to get a little curious. I'm like, how much? I, I started going into the books and looking at the how much the clients are paying for that session. Right. And I started to realize that, wait a minute. All this guy is providing is equipment. Yep. I'm the talent. Yep. And he's, and he's taking that. 70. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm making 30. Dude. And then is- after uh, a while, and then the pandemic, like before the pandemic, I was just like, no, 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 no. I have to flip that script. I have to maybe the one, I don't give, I want to be making 100. I want to be making 90 because I'm a businessman now. I know that you're not making ever 100. There's always expenses that go along with everything. I want to make the 100. I'm the talent and I'm the one being undercut. And there's a guy who who's a fat shit who just literally has his name on the door and he's making 70% of the money. Fuck you. right? I'm going to flip that script. And, and that's what got me into business. It was almost the exact same thing experience yeah. that you had. Whereas I started to, and I think more people will get into business uh, if they start to see that. And I think like, like I'll take, let's take a Walmart employee, for example. Like if you're working at Walmart, it it obviously depends on your skill, but let's take a student, somebody who's maybe going to school and they work at Walmart part of that. You're the person working all the time. Like if you figure out and look at what your wage is, which most people is minimum wage, 
and what Walmart actually brings in, you, you're just like, no, I, I can't do that. That's, I mean, this might be a bad example, but uh, you, you realize, sure, like you're only making 3%. Mm-hmm. And they're taking a ninety-seven percent, and you're the one sitting there, grinding all, all day, yeah. moving boxes, yeah. doing whatever the fuck it. Like, if you can find a way to take your talent, whatever it be, whatever industry it is, and flip that script where you are the one that is, like you say, sitting and just taking it all in. Now, now that I have my own business and I'm taking that percentage in, I realize how much waste i was doing in my 20s by just working by just working right so, and it's not a bad thing i'm not regretting it's a learning experience i had to learn to get to get to where i am today but now that i'm there now that i'm here i realized like when you have a skill like you like you say you have a trade your skill your welder i have a, it's to my, i'm a, technically a trade too I'm a, I'm a trainer a coach an athlete when you have a good skill, you have to learn to hone that skill and take the percentage. Start thinking about taking – you're going to have to give a little bit, mm-hmm. right? But start taking what you deserve. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss, right? They go to work for somebody and they let somebody else tell them what they deserve. Now I'm telling you what I deserve and I'm going to take what I deserve and I'm yeah. not going to fucking give you what you deserve. Because if you're sitting on your ass just signing a piece of paper – or make getting a contract. You know what? I'll take the extra time out of my day to go find that contract, and I'm going to make that money. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like triple, triple what I'm making. Triple. Yeah, you're it. So one of the, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is like trades, right? There's a big. My wife's in a trade. She's a hairstylist, hairdresser. I'm technically in a trade. You're in a trade. There's a big misconception of people in trades, sort of being uneducated. Uh, unmotivated and like lackeys for a better term, right? You know what I mean? Uh, now that you, you're a businessman, you have your business, you're a young businessman, how do you kind of like get old? Because I'm sure you still engage in some of it where when you're talking to people to get contracts and clients and, and, and to get uh, jobs, how, there's misconceptions of people in trades. How do you kind of get past that, that you're just some sort of worker to them? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Honestly, a lot of people think I'm like kind of weird, like to be in trades. Like my personality type, I'm like more so business oriented and very ambitious. And like I don't really like not to say that I don't like working, but like I I only became a welder because I had to. It wasn't yeah. I didn't want to. You know, it was just something that I had to do because you know my parents didn't see the the fighting vision and how deep I was into it. So they're like, yo, you gotta go to school. So. Realistically, like I'm not really a tradesman, I'm like a fake tradesman, but I make it work, you know. I I, yeah. I adapt to my environment, you know, like yeah. it's fun, but it's not what I want, you know. Like even my company, like I don't really I don't really care about it. Like it's it's done enough for me already in in teaching me about business that it's like if it fell through the floor tomorrow, it's like, it is what it is. It's an incorporation. So like worst thing they could do is take my car, you know, like yeah. realistically, like, take all the money out, spend it for lunch, take my car. I'll just go yeah. buy another one with the money that you guys gave me. But anyways, um, in terms of the idea of trades, like, I feel like people think it's like, I don't know, like rough and, you know, people are like gross and stuff like that. I, I don't really know, to be honest. I don't, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. I just go to work, make my money and go home. I don't really think about it. I just go, you know. So, um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people, like more people should get into the trades because I will say, like, 
I've worked in the trades now for about a year and a half, two years, and like it's probably the most fun jobs I've ever had. Most like, you know, coolest connections I've made. Like your on job sites, just I like to talk shit. You know, just <laughs> like that's that's all you do on job sites. You know, when you're not working, you're just sitting around talking shit and you know making jokes and stuff. Like that's so it's a good environment. Um, you know, you're doing something new every day for the most part, which is what I like. I never I don't like repetition and doing the same thing over and over again. So. Uh, for the people that can't just, you know, sit in an office, I guess. Well, and people, we kind of like to make it seem like there's only two like, types of working. It's either you're yeah. sitting in a cubicle or you're out doing different shit on an everyday basis. Well, that's not really the case. But I guess respecting that idea, um, trades is, is definitely a good way for not only you to create a large amount of capital for yourself in a short period of time, but um, it's also a way for you to diversify um, the stuff that you're doing on a day-to-day basis as well. You know? Well, and the other view I have on it too, to build on what you said, is like what I think a lot of people in trades don't realize is they have a skill. Yeah. Whereas when you – like I've worked in an office before, right? I've worked at um, a fitness – I'm not going to say the company because you know, they might get mad – but <laughs> piece of shit company. I worked in a fitness company in an office and I was answering phones and, um, and taking people's money, et cetera, et cetera. When you're in that environment, everyone's skill is the same because it's a job, right? Mm-hmm. Have a job and you do X, you pick up the phone. Cookie cutter, cookie cutter. Cookie, you answer the client. And so when you're in that environment, everybody is pretty much on the same fucking playing field. Right. And I think that's what businesses, big business at least tries to do in terms of their employees. Is if you can get everybody on the same playing field, right, then you get them competing with each other for promotions, more money, et cetera. But the job is the same and they never really get to use a skill set. Yeah. Right. A skill set that they have been developing their whole life. How many times have you not heard stories about somebody who's worked an office job for 20, 30 years? And then all of a sudden, they you find out that they were some magical piano player, and she leaves the job, and she's an amazing piano teacher now, and she's doing that. There's a guy in my neighborhood. This is a great example. I found out about him last year. He's got this big afro, right? This white guy with this big afro. Where's the headband? He's just walking fucking dogs all day, right? So if you don't know this guy, you think he's just some some weird stoner pothead dog walker, because that's what he looks like. I found out from one of my clients because she knows him because he walks her dog. He was on Bay Street. He made millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars on Bay Street. And then one day he decided, I don't want to do that anymore because it's not what I want to do. I like walking dogs. Now he fucking walks dogs for everybody in the Young Eglinton area. And I guarantee you, with his knowledge of Bay Street, uh, he's making a lot of money walking dogs. Right. And, and, but that's his skill set. You know what I mean? I couldn't walk dogs. If you said Ashton, walk my dog, I'm like, I don't fucking know how to walk your dog. I don't want to walk your dog. I mean, it's a difference when you, when you get into that work environment, you get bunched in with people. You know what I mean? And individual skill sets, individual don't get to thrive. And I feel like when you go into the trades, sometimes you kind of get to see that. Like Elon Musk is a good example. Right? He's an engineer by trade, by by uh, education, right? But the guy, like, as as you know, people like to talk shit about him mm. and whatever. Elon's my guy. Shut up, Elon. Yeah, fuck yeah. Same with Elon. Like, he 
is a super smart guy. If you put Elon in a work environment and an office, he wouldn't be what he is today. The only reason he is what he is today is because he was able to just freely open his wings, open his wings and express himself and do all the crazy shit that he wanted to do. If you suppress that and by putting it into an institution and kind of just say, here's your job. The guy would have never been like if he went to work for a company, another car company, there's no way he would have been what he was today. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. Absolutely. And, and the, yeah, and then that's what makes him great. And I, I, I love the guy. Shout out to He's the only fucking guy that can change the stock market with a tweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing that I will say to the people about business, especially the younger people that are thinking about getting into business is like, this will be the one incentive that you need. First of all, um, when you're an employee, say you make $20 at 40 hours a week, that's $800, right? If you're an employee, you see probably like $615, maybe $600 because, you know, taxes, CPP, all that kind of stuff comes out immediately. When you have your own business, if you make $20 at 40 hours a week, not only do you make for $800, like straight $800, nothing comes up, but they still owe you tax. Right. So opposed to making eight hundred dollars, you make like almost nine hundred, right? And yes, you still have to pay taxes, but the money that you have to pay taxes at the money that you have to pay taxes is in hand right now and you pay it at the end of the year. Yes. So opposed to never having that money in hand, now you're sitting on, you know, by the end of the year, like ten grand worth of tax money that you know you put aside if you're smart. Yeah. Um that you can leverage now, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're smart about it, you know you have a year to use that, say, five grand, whatever. You can take the five grand, put it into a couple different investments, make money with it, and then pay taxes. Just kind of like serve, you know? But um, what I was going to say was, you make so much more money, man. Like, (laughs) listen, I was making $38 an hour, right? I was working five days a week, whatever. Say, I was working, I was making $38 an hour as a contractor. And my friend who I was working with was an employee making $38 an hour. You know what the difference was of what we saw on a weekly basis? What? Literally $1,000. I was making $1,000 more. $1,000 more was coming into my pocket at the end of the week than his. Just because when I have my own business, so I'm not, there's no deductions off of my pay. You know what I'm saying? If you make $1,500 in a week, you're probably going to get a legend. You know, I get 15 plus like three. So I get like 18, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But um, sometimes it'd be like 22 plus overtime and stuff. But this is what I'm saying. Like you just, you just make so much more. It's like, it's, I'm like, I'm sitting there like, why would I go back to working a job with making so much more money? You know, exactly. yes, I pay my own liabilities and you know, if I get injured, I have to pay for it, all that kind of stuff. But you, you have the money. If you're smart, you have the money set aside. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and like uh, I'll end around, I'll end the, the podcast on this note. And um, so, like a lot of the times, people will be like, "Well, you don't have a job that pays benefits. You don't have a job that pays all. You know, you don't get dental, whatever, whatever." Right? You I'm like, well, I'm like, I make a lot more money now. Yeah. You right? can- Literally, but listen, you can pay for full benefits, okay? Yeah, you can pay for people, full benefits. <laughs> people have told me all my life you have to go work for some great company to get benefits. It's like, bro, but nobody's told you that if you start your own business and you're making money, it only costs like $300 a month to fully cover everything that you need dental, footwear, eyewear, $300 flat. If you're willing to pay that, yeah, you're already like, in taxes. 
And like, for, I'll give, for example, like um, a lot of times I hold pads for clients and all that kind of stuff. And that, that wears and tears on your joints. So like, I, I need therapy. I need to go see. Yeah. All yeah, that shit. I need to go get, well, I don't need fucking coverage. I'm may, I've increased my revenue by over 150%. Why the fuck would I need a benefit plan that I pay into? I'll just go pay the 70 and, and, uh, if you're smart, you go make connections with people, you help people out. And then those, they, they throw favor at you. So now all my services that I need health, dental, all that kind of stuff. I have clients in those fields. So I'll go and I'll, I'll be like, Hey man, I need my teeth cleaned. I need to go get this done. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah. They get, you know, you, you make those connections and I can, I, I don't mind paying for it. Whereas yeah. like the old saying that you need to get a job to get the benefits, the pension, whatever. I like, I'm perfectly okay with the fact that I know when I'm 80 years old, I don't have a pension right now. I don't give a fuck because I'm going to keep grinding my ass away. And it's not going to, like you said earlier on in the podcast, why would I work 60 years for somebody to get $400 a week when I could just grind it out now, make triple that amount of money. And if I'm smart, I just save it. Yeah, right. Just put something to save, save for my retirement. And good to go. Yeah, you don't get annuities and stuff like that. Like life insurance too. Yeah. I have a buddy who's, I'm not going to say him that name because I don't want to expose him, but he invested when he was young, same with you, like in his 20s. And now he is in his 30s. He fell in love with boxing. So he's he's, um, pursuing professional boxing and he's really damn good. And I'm just like, dude, what do you do for work? And he was like, honestly, dude, I made some investments when I was 20. I live off the dividends and i just now i'm just training to be a professional boxer and i'm just like my boom like i want that yeah i want that he's basically took his time made investments lives off the dividends and now he's free to pursue whatever life's passions and goals that he wants to do and i use him as a role model uh every time i see him i use him as a role model to be like you know not jealous i just like as a example of what I'm aiming for of that yep. freedom in life to just be able to do whatever you want to do. If it's professional boxing, whether it could be playing an instrument, it doesn't fucking matter. Like yep. being able to be financially free and do whatever it is that your heart desires and not have to worry about a dime in your pocket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, that's, that's been my thing too. Like I always knew that because right now I'm in a position where it's like I made a bunch of money. And this is another thing that I will say for the people listening is uh, the reason why I was able to get ahead in investing was because with this job where I was making $30 an hour, I went from making $20 an hour to making $31 an hour, like, like in a week, right? Nothing changed in my lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. I just started making drastically more money. So what I did was I pretended as if I was still making what I was making before Right, because nothing changed. I'm still living the same life. Why, why do I need more money? Right, took that. I think it was eighteen dollars an hour I was making before, or nineteen, and then I went to thirty-one, so eleven, whatever. That twelve dollars an hour. Um, every time I got that that twelve dollars an hour, I literally just created an Excel spreadsheet, right, and put yeah. in all the money and said, "Okay, this is what I used to make. So this is what I'm going to pretend I make, right? And everything else extra is going directly into my investing account." And a small portion is going into saving. So that will allow you to like drastically grow your money very quickly, especially if you can afford it. You know, not everybody's in a position where they can 
you know, only live off 40% or 60% of their income. Obviously, I was fortunate to be in my parents' house and still, you know, not really have any responsibilities. But yeah, uh, that kind of opened a lot of doors. So if people are in a position to do that, I suggest that you do that. You know, don't just think that because you make more money, you should spend more money. Don't allow your expenses to chase after your income because, you know, just because you have $100,000 doesn't mean you have money. If you're spending $90,000 a year, what yeah. are you left with? You, know? you don't have any money. Exactly. If I'm making 50K and I only spend 10, I'm richer than you. And, you know, I didn't, I've never even seen 100,000. Yeah, so. Exactly. And that's a great way to end this. It was good advice there, brother. Yeah, 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 so yeah. thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. It's, it's refreshing to see young people taking control of their lives. I, like, I'm not even old. Like, I, I'm, I'm speaking like I'm an old fuck, but I'm not old. But it's refreshing to see young people because i work with a lot of young clients i work with a lot of young people and they don't take this part seriously because you know if you do when you're my age when you're 32 you can be just pursuing whatever the fuck you want and you won't be tied down so it's good to see that you're doing that and you know i'm proud of you and i just want you to keep going at it and and you're gonna you're gonna do really good things man i'm proud of you so so it's great having this child you so thank you for listening to another episode of grind my gears Remember, don't be a bitch and tell everyone's telling me how much they like my podcast and I'll keep doing and they're not fucking subscribing. Click on the fucking link below, like it, share it. And thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. And I'll see you back for the next one. Yes, sir.